This talk by John Sutherland is the third of nine in the series Vimalakirti, The Dream of Awakening and the Room Where the Broken Heart Mends. He was given at Cerro Gordo Temple in Santa Fe, New Mexico on April 28, 2011. Good evening, Bodhisattvas. We are um, speaking these weeks about the sutra that Vimalakirti spoke, which is a Mahayana text about uh, 1,500 years old that was dearly beloved in China and in the koan tradition, which is our own root tradition. Um, and we've gotten, um, we're, we've crawled our way <laughs> to the, the moment when Manjushri, the Bodhisattva of Wisdom, goes to uh, Vimalakirti, who is in his home sick. And he's um, a householder, a deeply awake layperson. And the Buddha has asked, his um, followers asked for a volunteer to go pay respects to Vimalakirti and see how he's doing. And nobody wants to go because they've all had um, uncomfortable encounters with Vimalakirti in the past. And also there is this fundamental, deeply disturbing fact of a deeply awake person who's sick. What's up with that? So um, finally, Manjushri, the Bodhisattva of Wisdom, says, all right, I'll go. And then everybody decides they want to go with him. So um, into Vimalakirti's 10 by 10 foot room trapes about 38,000 beings of all kinds and are made perfectly comfortable. And the dialogue begins. So here we have this um, kind of archetypal confrontation between the embodiment of a very clear, bright kind of wisdom, kind of insight that, that Manjushri represents. Um, and I, and, and I, I want to make a little bit of a distinction between insight and wisdom because he really is the bodhisattva of this clear insight. And wisdom needs something else, which is compassion, um, to be whole. So, so insight meets sick, deeply awake person. And the first thing is um, Manjushri asks Vimalakirti a series of questions which I don't think are random or just polite. So I want to talk about them a little bit. Because basically they seem to be coming out of a desire of Manjushri's to learn how to fix Vimalakirti's illness. And of course, when we're talking about this, Vimalakirti is physically sick, but it, it means any kind of dis-ease that we feel, be it physical, emotional, mental, um, social, cultural, whatever, whatever feels tilted in this tilted world, whatever feels dis-eased, out of ease, is what we're talking about as illness. So Manjushri asks Vimalakirti first, can you bear it? So that's interesting because there's an assumption in the question, can you bear it, that illness is something that must be born, right? That it is a, a cross to bear, an affliction to bear. And then he asks, is it possible that the treatment is making you worse? Um, I love that question because, because I think um, anybody who has taken up a spiritual path um, 
and particularly if you take up a spiritual path with a kind of assumption that life, human life is an illness that must be cured, probably at least once or 20 times a day is going to come to the question, is the treatment worse than the disease, right? Um, what am I doing here? Okay, so then Vimalakirti asks, what is the illness's cause? What, hap- what, what happened that you got this? And in a moment, you'll hear that in Vimalakirti's answer, he doesn't say, oh, I caught the bug that's going around. Nor does he say, um, because of long-standing karmic conditions having to do with you know, actions in previous lives, I'm paying for it now. He says something completely different, so that's interesting. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, Manjushri asks, how long has it been affecting you? That's interesting. You know, it's not just a bug you got last week. How, what, what is the nature of this? How long have you been bearing this dis-ease? And then finally, his last question is, how can it be extinguished? Not how can it be healed, but how can it be extinguished? How can we just get rid of it? How can we make it go away? So there's no sense in the question of what is the process of healing? What can happen that might bring a disease back into some kind of ease? So to all of these kind of very ordinary inquiries um, to someone who's sick, Vimala Kirti responds like this with famous words. Since all living beings are ill, I am ill. In another translation, I am sick because the whole world is sick. If the illness of all living beings were healed, then my illness would be healed. Why? Bodhisattvas enter the world of birth and death, which is to say this world, for the sake of living beings. Um, you may or may not identify with the sort of mythological sense of a bodhisattva being, you, you know, feeling yourself as a bodhisattva who has chosen rebirth in this world of, um, of birth and death in order to, um, to help suffering people, suffering beings. Um, you may or may not carry that grandiosity within you, but certainly it's very possible for all of us to look at what does it mean for a bodhisattva to be born? Bodhisattvas are self-born. Bodhisattvas begin the process of giving birth to themselves and it happens every time a person like us, someone in this room, does a couple of things. They find arising in their hearts the intention to discover what they can do that might be helpful in the world. And then that intention having arisen in their hearts, they make the commitment to put that intention at the center of their lives. That's how a bodhisattva is born. Not by becoming completely instantly awake and skillful at everything and doing nothing but bestowing wonderful things on other people all the time. Simply having the intention and having the willingness, the sincerity to put that intention at the center of your life. And then spending the rest of your life trying to figure out what that means. Not getting it right, not being perfect, but just trying to figure out every day in every situation, what does that mean to have that intention at the center of my life? 
This is how a bodhisattva is born, enters the world of birth and death for the sake of living beings. We begin the process of giving birth to a bodhisattva that way. And then that birth is midwifed by um, our family, our loved ones, our co-workers, our sangha. They are the midwives of that birth. Okay, so then Vimalakirti goes on. Because there is birth and death, there is illness. Because we live in a world in which there is birth and death, there is illness. And I will amplify a little bit what I think he's saying, because that's all he says. We live in a world of change. We live in a world of impermanence. We live in a world of coming and going and rising and falling and birth and death. And because we live in that kind of world, we're we are experiencing these constant cycles that include in them arcs of growth and arcs of decay. That's the nature of living in a world where things come and go, rise and fall, are born and die. They also grow and they also decay. So that is natural to this world. Illness, decay, the cycles of unbecoming, Right, are just as natural as the cycles of the parts of the cycle of growth and becoming. And then finally, Vimalakirti finishes by saying, if living beings were to gain release from illness, then bodhisattvas would no longer be ill. What I hear in all of this is a fundamental allegiance to life as it is in this world. I'm like this because the world is like this. If the world changed, if we, if we were able to release illness, I wouldn't be ill anymore. But as long as we can't, as long as we're in the process, I'm in the process too. I don't separate myself out. I don't, I'm not looking for a kind of separate deal for myself. I'm in. And I have an allegiance to and a love of this life as it is, even its cycles of decay and illness, as well as its cycles of growth and becoming. So, as will be revealed in the dialogue that follows, the question for Vimala Kirti isn't, am I sick or not sick, right? That's not the diagnosis he's looking to make or that's not he's not looking to put himself somewhere somewhere on that axis sick not sick he's looking for how can we be free in whatever circumstances we find ourselves wherever we are along the spectrum of sick to not sick we're free in exactly that place how do we do that okay there's, um, there's a really interesting little thing that goes by very quickly in the, in the beginning of the sutra where it says that Vimalakirti is feigning illness. He's pretending to be ill. And I've been, I've been chewing over that for a while. And it just says it quite quickly and it doesn't go into a lot of explanation about it. So I want to um, provide some, some possibilities of ways to understand what it means that Vimalakirti is only pretending to be sick. Um, the first thing that came to my mind was, was something that Wangbo, who was one of the great Chan teachers a few centuries later, said. He said, teaching Chan is like casting fake pearls before people pretending to be beggars. 
Um, what I what I hear with that is that um, one one level of understanding of that is that in a way we're all involved in a performance until we're not <laughs> um, until we know that it's just been a performance and that performance has nothing to do with our essential nature and w- and that's us pretending to be beggars pretending to be ill pretending to suffer pretending to have problems now I, I want to make really clear that I that doesn't say there isn't suffering or that things aren't difficult Not it doesn't deny or minimize that at all but it says there is Um, there is a moment when it's possible to realize that whatever the conditions of our lives we're not beggars we're not sick even if we're physically ill even if we're poor that doesn't make us beggars that doesn't make us sick people that makes us beings experiencing the nature of this world that includes disease that includes difficulty that's all so um, Yunmen, another of the, the great Chan teachers, says, asks a question of us. He asks, see how vast and wide the world is. Why do you get up and get dressed at the sound of the morning bell? It's a great question. See how vast and wide the world is, how giant and mysterious the vastness is, emptiness is. Why in the midst of that do we get up every morning when the alarm goes off and put our clothes on and start another day? And um, there's something in there about exa- a, a deeper way of understanding pretending to be beggars. That, that, that we're trying to put um, a certain kind of distance between the natural condition of being alive in a world of birth and death which has its cycles that natural condition and our identification with some aspect of it I'm the beggar I'm the wounded person I'm, I'm the sick person um, those aren't the same thing and that's a really important distinction to make it is the nature of the world to be tilted it is the nature of being alive in this world to be a little tilted because the world is a little tilted that's different than saying my identity is as a beggar as a sick person as a wounded person as a problem you know to myself and others um, and I think you know in, in my own experience um, I have lived with um, a fairly serious chronic condition um, pretty much my whole adult life. And I can remember early on in my, in my 20s, I can remember really having to decide whether I was going to become the sick girl, which is how I thought of it. You know, Am I going to go through life as the sick girl? And that would be an identification with my condition, right? That would be taking a fact of my life which was illness and putting it at the center and everything else revolves around that totem pole at the at the center so one of the things that um, beginning to give birth to yourself as a bodhisattva does is if you put the intention to be helpful and the intention to spend your life trying to discover what that means day after day after day 
it takes up the space that you might otherwise use to put something else there as an identification. There's no room for the sick girl if the intention to to become a bodhisattva is already taking up that space. That's really helpful. That's really useful. (laughs) You know? Um, Okay, so that's the kind of deeper, stranger understanding of pretending to be sick. Um, there's there's the, the, the wanting to put a separation between the condition of being alive in a world like this and how we identify, what we identify as, right? Then there's the, wow, the, you know, the vastness is so big, is so great. Why do I do this? Why do I put on my human skin every morning and go out and live a human life? Why do that? Well... We do that because we are this bit of the vastness manifesting in this way. I am this person, you are that person. You know, there are the birds outside and the plants just beginning to, to, to spread out in the, in the courtyard. The vastness manifests as this and as this and as this and as this. And that's why, you know, we, we've been talking a lot in the Koan Salon about this question of why. The answer to the question of why do we put on our clothes um, when the alarm goes off is, bam, hit the alarm, put the clothes on and start walking. That's the why. Does that make some kind of sense? We do it because we are the vastness taking this form and we accept the offer. We accept the invitation. I will live this life in this world that I have been given. And I will be willing to think of myself as a bit of the vastness arisen in this shape, in this form, and I'll, take, I'll go all the way with that. I won't withhold. I won't be stingy about that. I will live that out to the best of my ability. Um, We're actually out of time, but I'd like to go a little bit longer. Are you are you game to go a little bit more? Okay. There's a koan that addresses this as well that we've mentioned before from the Book of Serenity, and it's about another of the great Chan teachers, Dungshan. Who was, um, who was sick, who was actually dying at the time. And a monk asked him, um, you're unwell. Is there someone after all who is not sick? And by that the question means, is there an aspect of you unaffected by illness? Is there some you know, eternal Buddha nature part of you that isn't experiencing this sickness that you're experiencing? And Dungshan said, yeah, there is. So the monk asks, does the one who is not sick take care of you? Now I think that's a very natural kind of th- way we think about it, that if there is some, something we believe in, like Buddha nature inside of us, or God, or the goddess, or some, you know, something that we identify as that which is not sick, do we find consolation there? Do we find comfort there? Are we being taken care of by um, that not sickness? Of, of the universe but Dungshan says the opposite he says I'm actually taking care of that one <laughs> by being sick I'm actually taking care of that one who is not sick 
And this to me is that sense of I have been given this. I have been given life in this shape. And um, this is the vastness interested in this life, wanting to, wanting to experience itself like this. And I'm taking care of that. I am doing that on behalf of the vastness by living my life as fully and completely and unstingily as I can. That's how I take care of the vastness. And the monk asks, what's it like when you take care of that one? So if you're doing that, what, what happens? What's that like? And Dungshan says, then, then I don't see that there is illness. And how I understand that is, there's not a problem. I might be sick, but there's not a problem. So again, there's a disidentification between the conditions of our lives and the identity we take on as a result of that. I'm sick, but it's not a problem. Um, So it is in this absolute allegiance to life as it is, which might include illness, that we most deeply serve the true nature of things. It is in our absolute allegiance to life as it is, all its parts, all its manifestations, that we most deeply serve the true nature of things. It's the way we most deeply requite our gratitude for being given the opportunity to do it. We requite that gratitude by doing it. Doing it all the way. Not holding back. Not looking for a separate deal. But when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, getting up, putting on our human skins, and living a life that day that once again asks the question, which holds the question at the center, what might be helpful? What might be the deepest engagement with life that I can make? What would it be like not to turn away from anything, even the stuff that's hard? What might it be like to be willing to experience the whole spectrum of life without choosing one part or another? What might it be like to have that absolute, utter, complete, unmitigated, um, uncompromised allegiance to life? Okay, so in two weeks... We'll take up the next part of the dialogue, which is Bhimala Kirti going on to say, um, from what cause does this illness arise, you ask? The illness of bodhisattvas arises from great compassion. And then Bhimala, uh, Manjushri asks him three questions. What is this great compassion? What is renunciation? And what is joy? And Bhimala Kirti gives his answers to those three questions. So that's where we'll go next time. These talks are made available through your donations to Cloud Dragon, the Joan Sutherland Dharma Works. To learn more about her teachings and to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our donate page at joansutherlanddharmaworks.org.